When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome into the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm Patrick Allen, joined, he's back, by Matt Verderam. Bergram, how was your vacation, man? It was I talked about it on the podcast last week. Well earned after a free agency in the draft. Did you get to get to blow off some steam? I did. I did. Thank you. Um, I enjoyed it. I uh, had, the, had the family and my parents out for a week to the house, and and uh, my, my dad outworked me, which was depressing but also inspiring. He, we have a garden on the side of our house that really we bought the house three years ago and we've been doing various projects and, and really the house is about where we want it. But on the side of the house, um, the previous owners just kind of let it become an overgrown garden and it had like eight trees in the garden. And so I ripped out five of them last year and my dad helped me rip out the last three this year, chopped it all up, took it all out, replanted everything. So, um, that was the big win of the week, but yeah, it was nice. And now tomorrow I'll, Go away for a long weekend with my wife. It was our anniversary yesterday, so we'll get away for just a long weekend, just for the Memorial Day weekend. Go up to uh, Door County, Wisconsin, and uh, get, get a little bit of uh, rest and relaxation before we get into June. Nice. That's good to hear. Yeah, I, uh, Mag and I are we're closing on our house here in like less than a little less than three weeks, and so uh, yard work in my future. I'm shopping for for lawn mowers. All that kind of stuff, weed eaters. Yep. We've got some some property on this place. Got a nice uh, nice size front yard for, for for Chicago. Pretty pretty big, I would say, uh, and the, on the front yard, and then uh, good size backyard uh, with some some trees back there that I've been trying to identify. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we're we're excited, man. We're um, you know we've been living up here in Wisconsin for a little while now, and uh, just excited to get our stuff back. It's been in storage for for a number of months, but I, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need recommendations on the on the yard work stuff, on the lawnmowers. You know, I haven't mowed the grass because I've been living in New York City and then Chicago and living in, in condos and stuff. So like we had people doing that work. 
And I was thinking about it, and I haven't mowed grass since I was in college. So I just turned 38. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to get a lot of it now. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Back in the time. saddle. Back in the saddle. I used to make money that way, but I, when I, the last time I mowed grass was I was working on like the paint crew at the college that I went to. And, uh, they waited a little while before paint crew started up. So like the first three weeks that I worked there, I worked with like the landscaping team and they had tractors and stuff, but then they would send people with like regular lawnmowers. So I was just mowing like for hours and hours out in the sun in the summer. Uh, you know, huge college campus grass, not fun, not fun at all. But uh, yeah, it's coming. It's uh, it's going to be, I was looking at lawnmowers and apparently they have like automated like robot lawnmowers now, like they do for like the vacuums. They cost like 2000 bucks, but I don't know if I want like a vacuum fine, but I don't know if I want a robot spinning blade thing roaming around my property. I, that seems like that could be potentially end poorly for me or one of my dogs. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, listen, it's always uh, be be careful. Be careful. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you don't want lawn work to go bad here. Did you ever? I we had pine trees when I was growing up, and in like those pine cones. When you're going, if you go over a pine cone with the lawnmower, it shoots out the side like a bullet. Uh, oh, and yeah. sometimes, sometimes yeah. it shoots it out from underneath and hits you in the in the shin. That's not fun. So I don't think we have any pine trees on the property. Thank goodness. Uh, I'll kill somebody. Um, all right, let's 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 get into a, a little bit of Chiefs talk here. So a lot going on, and we want to hear from you on some things. We want to hear from you on Julio Jones and some things that we've talked about on the podcast already. But the first thing I wanted to kind of just touch on was like, what's going on with Bashad Breeland? Like, I guess he's been he's been grumpy on Twitter. He's sounds like he's sick of getting one year deals from teams and, and, and teams not investing in him long term. I see went and he visited the Vikings recently, maybe this week. They didn't sign him. Not that the Bears are interested. But right. as somebody who's tapped into league circles, obviously somebody who follows the Chiefs, and I know that you have a, a fairly positive opinion of the play of Bashad Breeland in the Chiefs system. Yep. Why does this guy not get a long term deal from anybody? And why haven't the cheat like why isn't anybody signing him? So look, here's what I know. I know that last year he was thought to be in line for a big contract. Now I'm not I'm not talking like five years, seventy five million, but he would have gotten a multi year contract, would have paid him well. Unfortunately, it came out for free agency that he was going to be suspended early in the season. Okay. So when that comes out in league circles, and that was out in the league circles way before it was out publicly. Um, a lot of teams moved off a little bit because you don't want to be missing a guy for a quarter of your season. I think that really hurt him. He ends up going back to Kansas City on a one-year deal. Last year, he played well again. Okay, he comes back from the suspension. I thought he played as well as he did his first year in Kansas City. He's been a good player throughout his career, dating back to even before the Chiefs, okay, um, you know, Washington and, and Green Bay. He's a guy who... I think deserves a multi-year contract. Unfortunately, the way it shook out this year, it was a tough market for corners. Unless you were Shaquille Griffin, you were just not going to get paid. And part of that is now, okay, while he's not old, he's not young. He's not coming off a rookie deal, okay? He's a guy now who I think a lot of people in the league feel is good, but also look at and say he's 29. You know, are you going to get his best football? Um, 
I still think you're going to get high quality football from him, but I think that is a question. You know, Shaquille Griffin's coming off a rookie deal. Other guys like that that are coming off rookie deals are going to get paid more. Guys like William Jackson, who got paid by Washington. Okay, he was another guy who was able to get paid, but also a part of this, the cornerback draft class was really good. So that hurts, right? Like, if you're going to, are you going to shine Breland or would you rather take a corner in the second round? Like, if you're the Chargers, would you rather sign Breland or would you rather draft Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round? Right, like it's nothing against Breland. You'd probably rather take Samuel just because of the upside, and he's cheap for four years, and so on and so forth. I now look at Breland and say, look, Casey Hayward just signed. I believe it was last week, maybe maybe ten days ago. Okay, he just signed with the Raiders. Now that's not a surprise. He goes over to the Raiders because Gus Bradley is their new defensive coordinator. All right, and he. He played under Bradley for years with the Chargers, played very, very well in that system. But that said, he's now he's 31 years old. He got one year and four million. One year, four million dollars. I don't think Breland's getting any more than Casey Hayward got. I don't think that's happening. Like, I think the cap for him is one year and four million dollars now. So is he not being signed perhaps because maybe his contract asks are still a little high comparatively to what he's going to get? Maybe. I don't know that for sure. That would be my guess. I can tell you this. I checked in on this a week ago, 10 days ago. Um, the door is absolutely open for him to go back to Kansas City. Mike, them trading for Mike Hughes does not preclude them from going out and re-signing Prashad Brinkley. So I don't, you know, that is one thing that I think was out there. Like when they got Hughes, it was like, well, that's the end of that. No, it's not. The, the, the Chiefs absolutely could still sign Prashad Brinkley. I know that from talking to league sources. They have a very high opinion of Breland. So I wonder if it's a question of asking for a little bit too much money. You know, we've seen with Melvin Ingram, like he just he visited with Kansas City, then he visited with Miami this week. He still remains unsigned. My understanding is maybe he's overshooting his market a little bit. And that happens with guys who feel like they deserve to get paid more than one year and X amount of dollars. But the market is going to pay you what you're worth. And I, I disagree with the market. I think Breland's worth more, but it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what he thinks. It matters what the league thinks. And the league is telling him, look, you're not worth more than you know, probably one year and $4 million. He probably knows what he's going to get from Kansas City. So, right, yeah, so like I'm would, sure they've had those conversations. They've, Brett Veach has got a relationship with the agent. He's like, look, this is what we're going to be able to do. We'd love to have him back. And it seems like maybe in that case – they're just, I don't want to say necessarily utilizing the Chiefs as leverage, but they know that he can probably go back to Kansas City and they're shopping him around. And and I guess it doesn't hurt. I mean, there's no rush to, to get signed. Obviously, you don't want the doors to close, but I think if, if they know what they're going to get from Kansas City, why not take him to a couple teams? Let them work out for teams that are looking at their roster now that things have calmed down. Now we could use a little bit more help with cornerback. And, you know, I mean... It, it, to these guys, maybe it doesn't sound like that much, but if you get an extra million bucks from a team, it's a million dollars. Even, even for an NFL player, a million bucks is a million bucks. A lot so, of money. A lot of money. And, I, and maybe, and he's, he's, shown, he's shown this before, right? Like when the Chiefs wanted to sign him originally and he didn't come, um, and that was the year he ended up in Green Bay, right? For a season? Yes. yes. And he visited the Chiefs and we all thought he was going to like sign. four days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he's he's done this before, where he's gonna see what he can get, and he doesn't have a problem waiting. Probably not, like like most players, probably not just dying to get into training camp. 
and so, you know, he, he waits a little bit, sees if, and you never know what might happen. First week of training camp, somebody's corner blows out an ACL. Happens every year to some players. Blows out their, their knee, blows out an ankle or something. And all of a sudden, old Bashar Breeland over there, well, he's not looking so bad at $7 million or something, right? When, when, when all of a sudden you've got a huge hole in your secondary. I, I, no, true, true. I, look, this is completely my opinion and just a, a little bit of an educated guess. I think he's going to end up back in Kansas City. I do. I, for a few reasons. One is the team and the player have a really good relationship. Number two, if you're him, like you, you'd rather go play for a team that has no real shot of winning. Like I get he's won a championship. I understand that. But if you're him and everything's a one-year deal, not only because you're getting to win, but because the Chiefs are going to be on prime time a ton. It puts you in the limelight. Like, look, let's say Rashad Breeland goes out and he makes his first Pro Bowl this year. Now he's in position to get paid. Like that stuff shouldn't matter as much as it does, but it does. It matters. It matters. Like Eric Fisher was never a pro bowler for the first like six years of his career. Then he made two pro bowls. It elevates you, right? Like, Hey, you know, we can put that in the press release. He's a two time pro bowler. And then it, it matters. Now, does it matter as much as being an all pro? No, but it matters. Like he, and that's another thing that hurts Breland. As good as he's been, he's never been a pro bowler. He's never been an all pro like that kind of stuff. It makes just like with the Hall of Fame. Now, obviously, Breon's not a Hall of Fame, but my, my point stand like with the, with the Hall of Fame. I know a handful of people very well who voted for the Hall of Fame. And I can tell you, like, Pro Bowls matter. All pro teams really matter. But the thing that really, really matters if you make an all decade team, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Almost, almost guaranteed if your first team all, de- all decade and second team all decade, you got it better than 50 50 shot. Like when Tyron Matthew made the all decade team, he's probably going to the Hall of Fame. Like he's he's you know made three All Pro teams. He's won a Super Bowl. He was a catalyst on that team. He's a very well known player. I think he's been to five Pro Bowls. Like he's probably going to the Hall of Fame. The all decade. That stuff matters because when people start looking at you, some of the first things they'll do is look at your accolades. And so I, I do think with Breland, like if I'm him, I'm thinking, okay, look, I can play half a dozen games in prime time. I'll play another half dozen games in the late window that might as well be prime time. We're going to play in the playoffs. And if I ball out and play really well and I get myself to a Pro Bowl, then you know what? Like, I'm, I'm young enough. I still might get two years, $24 million, something like that. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe a team like the Bears just offers him more money and he goes there. It's totally possible. But it, if I had to guess, I, I would think that there's a, there's a real chance, a, a good chance that he ends up back in Kansas City. But again, that part of it is just my two cents. It's not anything that I know from inside the NFL. I, I hope so. I think uh, the team could use the depth for sure. Alright, but before we move on, we do have some breaking news. This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. You know the Manscaped brand by now. You listen to this podcast. But the breaking news, of course, is that they have recently launched the Lawnmower 4.0. And uh, the engineering team's just, uh, they've been at work, man. They've been uh, been doing rocket fuel kind of stuff with this thing. Um, So join the over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, including Vertoram and myself. uh, And we got this exclusive offer for you. You want to get the lawnmower 4.0. You want to get that ceramic blade. Make sure you don't cut yourself. You want to get some of the crop preserver, which you know I'm a big proponent of. Fan sided 20. It's 20% off, 
and free worldwide shipping. Head over to manscaped.com. Take care of your balls. It's very important. You know, you don't want a deflate gate situation with uh, some sort of old rusty shick razor, something like that. Bad news. Stay away from that. That's true. That's true. You, look, the last thing you want to do is end up with some kind of an issue down there. All right? Yeah. Um, that that may not only ruin your weekend, might ruin somebody else's weekend. So don't uh, do not do anything dumb. Go go to Manscaped, get the job done, get it done right. Look, you you wouldn't trim your actual hedges with right. with with a with a rusty pair of shears, right? Like you would yeah. you would go out and get the right tool for the job. Well, these your more personal hedges potentially here. Like you you do not want to use the wrong tool. Use the right tool. <laughs> you do, you do not want an Edward Scissorhand situation. No, no you do going not. Going on down there. And this is it's actually they really went off with this thing. The 4.0's got it's got like a 4 4000K LED spotlight. So you ain't gonna you need to see what you're doing down there. That's another important thing. So um, uh, you know you can customize the blades. You got all that stuff. It's waterproof, so you can you can deal with it in the shower. Head over to manscaped.com. It really helps this podcast and, fr- and frankly our whole podcast network um, when you when you guys buy from our sponsors. And Manscaped is I think a no brainer. So if you haven't done it yet and you want to support the show, you want more Chiefs content, fansided of twenty manscaped.com. All right, that's enough. Okay, so. Um, some salary cap. Actually, before we get to salary cap, yesterday the Chiefs put out a video. Our guy Patrick Mahomes back on the field throwing the football. The reports have been out there. He's ahead of schedule on the the recovery from his toe. I don't want to say he's completely recovered, but he's out of his boot. He's at OTAs. He's throwing the football. Um, pretty good. Pretty good news for Chiefs fans because it's it's still May. And our guys out there, he's moving around. Uh, how? I mean, how? Obviously, this is a dumb question, but like, how important is it that Patrick Williams is 100% healthy going into this season, a long season? Oh my God, it's the most important thing that could happen to the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, look, Mahomes is 25 years old. All right, just turned it a couple weeks ago. If he's healthy, they will be in the title contender circle for 15 years. They just will. He's that talented. He's that great of a player. If he's not healthy and anybody other than Patrick Mahomes is involved under center, they're no longer in that conversation. Now, of course, like if he misses a game or two, of course, they're in it. But if, he, if he's out long term or he's hobbled throughout the year, like, yeah, it's a problem. It's not a coincidence. The year they won the Super Bowl, like, people forget this now because it's, it's – when you think of the 2019 season, you think of them winning it all, okay? People forget – they were six and four that year. He was hurt all year. He got hurt week one against Jacksonville. He hurt his ankle. He he was not right for months on end. Then he hurt his knee and easily could have been out for the whole season. They got very lucky. He only missed a couple of games. Like that team got healthy at the right time and then just blew through the playoffs and won the Super Bowl and all the rest. But you know, that that's a year where they really, I mean. They got healthy when they needed to. Now, unfortunately, last year, the team was largely healthy, and then all of a sudden the offensive line, like the Fisher thing, just put them over the edge in the AFC title game, and that was it. right? Like, And the Buccaneers got healthy as the year went on. They got Brown, and they got they got Vita Vey back. And, and that 
It all plays in. It all ties in. If, if the Chiefs have a healthy Mahomes, they're going to win 14, 15 games. They just are. They're that talented. Like they're not, especially now it's this offensive line. I made a comment on stacking the box on Tuesday. I hope you listen. I hope you subscribe. If you don't, please do. Um, to my esteemed co-host, Mark Carmen, I think this Chiefs offense is going to be the best offense they've had because of their offensive line. I think, and Carm was shocked when I said that to him. I think this offense will be the best offense they've they've had with Mahomes and maybe have ever had because I think yeah, all right, yes, they lost Watkins. But if, if Mahomes has more time to throw, you will watch and see Robinson's numbers get better and Hardman's numbers get better. And maybe Cornell Powell plays and produces, who knows? You will see. The, and by the way, you know what else is going to be better? Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to be better. Yep. Yep. So to me, like they will be better because Mahomes is going to be in a lawn chair throwing the football. Like that's why they're going to be better. So. No, uh, his health is paramount. I think you saw the Chiefs agree with that soft season when they went out and spent a fortune, both in money and draft picks, on the offensive line. And there's been a lot of talk, uh, maybe not a lot, but I've been hearing these whispers sort of this off season. People are like, you know, Patrick Mahomes gets hurt a lot. You know, he had the knee thing, he had the ankle thing. Now he's had the turf toe. And I haven't, I don't think I've seen anybody go so far as to call him injury prone yet. But there are some people who are like, he runs too much, he takes hits. Are, are you concerned about Mahomes like in injuries because he's had a few, he's been banged up a little bit? Or is this something that you think is just a little bit of an aberration, nothing too serious, freak things, and he'll be fine? No, I mean, look, I don't I don't think he's I think he's any more apt to get hurt than anybody else. Look, he's a, you know, I mean he you go through his career. 2018, he get hurt at all. 2019, I mean, the guy rolled over his ankle and he played through it and played great. Um, and then, you know, I mean, he got he hurt his knee on a quarterback sneak. He might be the first quarterback to have that ever happen. Um, and only he missed two games. And then last year, he started every game except for Week 17, which was just an unnecessary game. Um, you know, obviously he got hurt in the playoff game, but again, I mean, that was a kind of just an oddball thing. I mean, that was, it wasn't like he, you know, he's always hurting the same area of his body or something. No, I think he's fine. I mean, he, you know, by the way, if you go and look at most quarterbacks, they're always, you know, guys are always dealing with something. They just are. I mean, you know, most guys, you know, you're in the pocket, guys are coming at you, you know, offensive linemen are all around. You're going to get stepped on. You know, you're going to, you're going to get hit in weird ways sometimes. Guys falling at your legs. Like, no, I, I, I honestly, I don't worry about that at all. Not to say he can't become injury prone, but no, to this point, I don't. I don't think he's any more injury prone than anybody else. And I think it's important to remember the position that he plays. Obviously, his escapability and his mobility is a big part of his game. It's one of the things that helps make him special. But the most important thing: no injuries to his neck, no injuries to his back, no injuries to his shoulder, his wrist. Like that's where he's. That's those are the money right. makers, right? Like. As long as he can move back, I mean, we've seen quarterbacks that you know, Bernie ever watch Bernie Kosar try to scramble back in the day. He's like the Tried. Tin Man, which the Tin Man try to play football, but he could deliver the ball. And and you know, Tom Brady's not out there running around all over the place. Mahomes is going to be fine. These are lower body injuries; they happen. He's scrambling around, and and if he's able to stay in the pocket a little bit more this season because that offensive line is giving him more protection, 
all the better. He's not going to have to run around as much. He's not going to have to worry about his his turf toe. And frankly, like if you if you didn't know that he had a turf toe injury during that Super Bowl, I'm not saying maybe between plays where he was limping around, but when he was out there running around, looked all right to me. He's a tough guy. He's a tough cat. I think that's just something to remember when you think about that Super Bowl, and I know none of you want to, but when you do, think about Mahomes running around out there and how much pain he must have been in trying to deliver that football and know that not only do you have a quarterback that is supremely talented, generational talent, the dude wants to win more than maybe more than anybody else on the field. And that's kind of, that's that's a goat trait, right? Oh, listen. I, I, after Super Bowl, reached out to a litany of people in the league, um, agents, other other team execs, you name it, and asked around about Mahomes. Just said how you know how impressive was that, even though they lost the game. And uniformly, it was pretty much, yeah. I mean, that earns more respect in a lot of ways, even than winning does. Like they got their asses kicked in that game. He was in a lot of pain. He immediately had surgery after the game. Like that, he could have very easily just said, hell with this, man. Like, I'm I'm throwing it. If I got to throw it away, who cares? We're getting killed. To me, in a lot of ways, it was the most impressive game I've ever seen him play. He just, he kept firing. He kept scrambling. He kept running around on this foot that needed surgery. And like, he just wouldn't quit. And frankly, if they could have caught the damn football, he would have had some of the more unbelievable throws in the history of the sport. I mean, look, as bad as that game was, they dropped two touchdowns in the end zone. Dropped two balls. I mean, Tyree Hill, the ball him right in the face. Same thing with Darrell Williams. I mean, look, would they have won the game? Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe not. In fact, no, they wouldn't have won the game. But could they have made it, you know, 31-23, something like that? Yeah. I mean, that game, that game will forever be the biggest crap show I've ever seen because – yeah, look, they didn't deserve to win. The offensive line was terrible. But just everything they did in that game, the penalties and everything, it was just it was too bad. And he really was the one guy who it felt like he never quit. He kept going, but they just yeah, they weren't uh, they weren't gonna win that night. But yes, he there's there are things I worry about with the Chiefs. None of them involve Patrick Mahomes. Indeed. So we know that the Chiefs have loaded up on the offensive line, and, and you're not the only one saying. I saw Dan Arlovsky talking about it on ESPN the other day. That same thing that this might be the the, the most explosive offense that we've ever seen. Uh, in fact, Arlovsky was c- convinced of it. He said, "This is be the best offense Patrick Mahomes has ever played in." I don't care about Sammy Watkins; he was only there half the time anyway. It's going to be incredible, but could it be better? Now, I know you all heard me talk about it last week. You know my stance. You heard Matt and Sterling talk about it. So uh, uh, apologies if you're sick of the Julio Jones talk, but I think it's a conversation we have to have, and we definitely have to, can't close the book on it until we hear Verderham's opinion on this. So there's a couple things at play here, right, Verderham? There's obviously the, the financial aspect of it. Can they make it work? Uh, Matt Connor had a great uh, write-up on Arrowhead Addict about you know, the Chiefs could make this work. It's He's not prohibitively expensive. He's expensive, but he's got two years left on his deal. The, the salary cap is going up, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But I want to get your opinion on just in general, the other side of it. What happens if you have Julio Jones in this offense? Oh, my God. I I mean, 
If they if they added Julio Jones to the offense, they just cut the punter. Just cut Townsend and just be done with it. Right. But look, in a vacuum, do you want to add Julio Jones to the Chiefs? Yeah, of course. It's like it's like back in the nineties. You want Jerry Rice? Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll take him. Right? Like we'll find Rome. Um my belief is it's going to be hard for the Chiefs to do this because of financial reasons. I know people love to say the cap's fake, and the cap is fake largely, okay? However, it, it's going to be difficult for the Chiefs. Now, cap number comes out, or I should, shouldn't say it. The ceiling for the cap has come out for next year, which is 208 and change, okay? That's a big jump. That's a big jump because right now, for this current season, the cap's 182.5. The cap jumps to 208.2. The Chiefs are sitting at about $19 million in cap space. Now, that does not include if they extend Tyron Matthew, which that number would take up a lot of that cap space. However, however, the Chiefs could create about $20 million by just restructuring Mahomes' contract. So, theoretically, they will have money next year. Okay, they, they will have some money that if they want to play around. And, by the way, it should be noted, and this is important, and I've even had... Um, some people in the league to me talk to me about this, not just with them, but with other teams. Look, you're going to see teams rolling over cap space. And so the Chiefs have $8 million. Now, will they have all $8 million by the time the year comes? Yeah, we talked about Breland, who knows, but right now they have some money they could roll over. So that matters. Also, if they do extend Matthew, they're going to open up a lot of space this year. Okay, they might open up $10, $11 million. If they do that, okay, because his number come down this year, they'll move it from base to bonus. If they do that, They'll roll all that money forward. I don't. I think the number that the cap was, the, this cap ceiling was set up for next year, does matter, and maybe changes a little bit Kansas City's financial picture. Because if, if you know, people were expecting in the league for the cap to explode in twenty twenty three, which I, by the way, is still the expectation. The cap in twenty twenty three is going to be insane because of all the new TV money. However, in in in, in Looking at the cap situation right now, I think a lot of people thought it might jump up to you know 195. Maybe it got back to 198, which is what it was last year before COVID hit. Jumping all the way to potentially the 208 matters. That's a huge jump. In fact, it's the biggest one-year jump in NFL history. So, you know, does that change the way Kansas City looks at things? Uh, my my understanding is that from a financial standpoint, it might be tough for the Chiefs. But again. That understanding was before this new cap number. So how much does it change? I don't know. Would he be a great fit? Of course he'd be a great fit. He's Julio Jones. I mean, yeah, he would be ridiculous. Um, do I think? Do I personally think the Chiefs ought to make the phone call? I do. I do. Because for people who love draft picks, let me ask you this. If they, let's just say the Chiefs trade their first-round pick. Who cares? You're not going to get anybody better than Julio Jones. Like, I mean, that would be my argument, right? Like, you're not getting a player who's better than Julio Jones. And Julio is signed, obviously, for this year. He's signed for next year, okay? And he's signed for 2023. And his cap hit, his cap number in 2022 is 19.2 uh, for each of the next two seasons, which is, look, it's not nothing. Um, but it's, it's not. And by the way, I believe if he gets traded, I believe, and I'd have to double check on this. I think it. I think it's even lower. I think it's like eleven something. I think I. I, I believe I read. There's, there's got to be some bonus or something that Atlanta's on the hook for, right? 
Yeah, I'm gonna look that up here, and because I believe, I believe that it's not as much. In fact, here I'm gonna go to Joel Corey because Joel Corey is is a, a former agent and a great guy, a friend, and somebody who I have all the faith in the world in. He breaks everything down on CBS. You really check me; he's phenomenal. Um, he's been on Stack the Box before. He's done some. He's he's a great guy. Um, but I believe that if you trade for him, I'm just I'm just trying to see. Um, so let's see if I can find it really quickly. Uh, I can fill some time for you too while you look. Yeah, it's horrible. Just to, the podcast. To, to give the background to the to the listeners out there. Matt Connor had a really great article about this on Arrowhead Addict and about the cap going up to $208 million in 2022. But it's not just the cap that's going up. The expenses for the Chiefs are going to go up as well. So adding a Julio Jones would mean, would mean adding salary to the cap. But then you've also got, so this is straight from Matt Connor's article, defensive tackle Chris Jones will see his cap escalate by more than a whopping $20 million alone from $8 million. So Chris Jones cap at $8 million in 2021 to $29 million, to over $29 million in 2022. Then you got Frank Clark you got to deal with. His cap number is going up over $19 million this season to over uh, $25 million in 2022, or $19 million this season to $25 million in 2022, an increase of $6.5 million. Tyreek Hill will see an increase of $5 million next season in terms of cap hit, and Joe Thune's deal, Thune's deal will... Uh, hit the big money after uh, postponing it a bit in 2021 at more than 17 million in 2022. And then you've got other th- like you've got Travis Kelsey's going to have a deal coming up. The Tyron Matthew extension can free up some space, but so they, they've got some big decisions to make. And so yes, the cap is fake. Yes, you can continue to kick the can down the road a little bit, hoping the money keeps going up and spreading things out with bonuses. But eventually, if you're overspending, just like with your normal budget at home, it will catch up to you. Uh, so that's that's setting the table a little bit. That's those are things that Brett Veach has to think about beyond just yeah. Can we get Julio Jones and can we afford to pay him this year? Right. And and look, you're right. And by the way, I looked it up and I I knew it was lower. It's eleven point five million, twenty two and twenty three. Okay. So the next the two years after this, it'd be eleven point. But that is a, a bargain for Julio Jones. But you're right, and that's why I keep going back to look. I've you know I've checked around on this. And I think the, the the belief is: Would the Chiefs be interested in the player himself? Absolutely, he's a great player. But do the Chiefs feel like financially that's the smartest move in the world? That might be a stretch. Again, you know, my sniffing around on this was before, um, you know, the cap number was kind of established for next year. Or the cap ceiling, I should say, it was not the number; it's the ceiling. Um, look, if you're the Chiefs, I think you check in on it. If you think you can make it work at all, but there is there is truth to what you just said, and I think it's a a big factor of KC is like you can't just keep taking on these massive salaries. Like, cause here's another part of this. Not only do they have to pay Tyron Matthew an extension, they got to pay Orlando Brown. Like that's coming. He's not cheap. Like, I, you know, all this stuff matters. And at some point, by the way, you're also going to have to, now I don't think next year is the year. I think the Chiefs will convert Mahomes' money. They'll do it a lot over the years, but there is something to be said too. Like at some point you have to just take the cap hit because otherwise you're going to be dealing with, you know, $70 million cap hit down the road. Now I think they'll keep pushing it right now because the cap is set to explode in 2023. So I think they'll, they'll take those hits then because they won't matter as much. It'll be a smaller percentage of the cap, 
But look, you know, here here's a few options, by the way, just looking at next year that they have that they could say, well, you know, what do we want to do? Right now, for 2022, they have 38 players under contract, which is pretty standard. That's that's fine. If they cut Anthony Hitchens, they save 8.5 million. Okay, now if they like what they get out of Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, that could definitely happen. In fact, I think it would be likely to happen. You have Tyree Kills in the last year of his deal that year. Would the Chiefs extend them? Maybe. He's got a $20.6 million cap hit. I would think they would extend him as long as he keeps playing the way he's playing. Here's one to watch. What about Frank Clark? Frank Clark, if they cut him post-June 1, they save $19.5 million. I got to tell you, Frank Clark better have a good year. Better have a good year because they could definitely cut him. Now, if they cut him pre-June 1, they're basically losing it. You know, they have 13.6 in dead million in dead money, 12.7 casting. So I don't think they do that. But post-June 1, I wouldn't rule that out. Okay. Or even a trade post-June 1, same deal, by the way. They save 19.5 million. Now, if you go back, look, I don't know if there's anybody else you'll look at and say, oh, they would definitely move on. Um, in fact, I don't think there is anybody else. I mean, they cut Colin Saunders, they save a million dollars. Like nothing, nothing crazy. Darwin Thompson, a million dollars. But those are some of the bigger guys to watch. Hitchens and post June one Clark, but also they could save money by dropping an extension on on Tyree Kill if they want to do that, which I think next offseason makes a lot of sense. Some people have speculated this offseason. I think that's a little premature. It's not impossible. But don't forget, Orlando Brown's a free agent. Tyron Matthews scheduled for free agency, right? Like, and the Chiefs have already, you know, they've already come out and said, hey, look, we talked with Orlando Brown and, you know, we're going to see how things go. My understanding even before all that happened was, yeah, look, it, it's likely he just plays this year out. And then and then they go from there, either with an extension or a tag, neither of which, neither of which would be cheap, although the extension for 2022 would be a lot cheaper. So the point is the Chiefs have some big cap commitments ahead here. Like, I'm, they did not trade all this to just have Orlando Brown be one and done in Kansas City. That would be a horrendous use of, 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 of resources, okay? Tyron Matthew, I cannot imagine a world where they let him walk out the door. I just cannot imagine. I know how much they love him internally. I cannot imagine that's going to happen. So if you assume they signed both those guys, Brown's cap hit would not be big next year. It would be smallish, and then it would it would balloon in 2023. Matthews would be small this year and balloon next year. So that's a lot of money. They could create some space. We just talked about how Mahomes, Hitchens, what, but like they, you know, it's 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 something they got to be careful with. You don't want to end up in cap jail and end up having to cut some players you really don't want to cut or trade some guys you really don't want to trade. Yeah, it's it's tricky. It would be something that I would not be good at, which is why I'm talking and not actually making multi-million dollar deals for these guys and figuring out gap space. But it is fascinating to think about. I, 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 look, I think Hitchens is as good as gone. They've been investing all of these this draft capital in in these linebacker prospects. Like Hitchens is is not a guy you're looking at the roster and you're like, boy, boy, we can't lose Anthony Hitchens. Not with some of these other guys. And no, so that's no disrespect to Anthony Hitchens, who's a very good player, but come on. Um, but when I think about, I think it comes down to, well, you get people on Twitter and they're like, he's injury prone. I'm talking about Julio Jones here. Right. He's always got a hamstring injury, but he usually plays. He is on the injury report every week, but he usually plays. Last year was, was, uh, was not good. He is getting older. 
So I think that the beef that a lot of Chiefs fans have, and you, and you said it, Verterim, you were like, well, who cares if they give up a late first round pick to get Julio Jones? He's Julio Jones. They're not going to be able to replace that. But I think a lot of these Chiefs fans are thinking, hey, yeah, we get him, but we're only going to have him. Like, he, how, how many years of elite production does he have left at his age? We, are we going to trade our first round pick for maybe two years of a guy? And I guess my, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, but my argument to that is, if trading for Julio Jones it wins the Chiefs one Super Bowl, they trade a late first round pick, and it and it becomes the difference in them winning a Super Bowl. Is it worth it? Is it worth it if they win the next two Super Bowls while he's under contract? Anyone who says no, I hope they turn off the podcast. No disrespect to any of you, but my God, this team went fifty years without winning a Super Bowl. Okay, I'd like to not go another fifty. And as far as I'm concerned, when you have a shot at the brass ring, you grab the damn ring. You don't worry about, well, five, geez, five years from now. Who cares? And you know what? You have the magic eraser. You have Mahomes. And I don't look, I'm not saying to be irresponsible and then just hope he fixes everything. That because that's not the way you run an organization. All right. What I am saying is you take bigger cuts because you have him. There's going to come a day, which I don't even want to think about, when he's not their quarterback anymore. Okay? And, you, and, and they have proven this over the years. You can have the Alex Smiths of the world, who was who a fine quarterback. And you can draft really well and have a really good team, and it doesn't matter. Okay? I don't care how well the Pats draft. They're not winning crap. They don't have Tom Brady. It doesn't matter. It doesn't – Denver has a really good roster. And you know what? If Drew Locke's the quarterback, they're winning six games. When you have a player the caliber of Mahomes, who is – look, and I hate this term, but it applies here. He is a generational talent. When you are blessed with that, you go all in, okay? You think Aaron Rodgers would be pissed at the Packers if they ever went all in over the last decade? Like, you go for it. And to me with the Chiefs, they're the favorite right now. They do nothing going into the season. Nothing. They're the favorite to win the Super Bowl, both in Vegas and in my opinion. Okay? But if you add Julio Jones to this team, forget it. No one is stopping them. Now, I'm not saying, look, I get it. If, if Veach and company feel like the cap constraints are too much, that's fine. That's a valid reason not to go out and get him. But if there's recent news with the potential cap ceiling changes things, or if they can make some moves and they extend Matthew in the, in the near-term future, then I think if you're the Chiefs, like, yeah, I would do because I get it. You're not going to have a player of cheap for four years. Who cares? The cap's exploding. It doesn't matter. People get way too into this. What happens if they draft a guy in the first round and he stinks? Then what? Then you didn't draft. You didn't trade for Julio Jones because oh, well, we didn't. We didn't get so and so. Let's say last year Julio Jones was available. Let's just say it was. This is last year, and the Raiders could t- take him, but went no, no, we're good. We're going to draft Henry Ruggs. You think the Raiders feel real good about that this morning? Of course not. You want Julio Jones? So to me, look, if if the financial implications are what's holding you back, that is one thing. That is valid. If what's holding you back is, well, geez, our first-round pick is too bad. That's nonsense. And, oh, by the way, I feel good about that not being the reason for the Chiefs because if there's any GM in the league who's proven that he will go out and get the guy, it's Brett Veach. Brett Veach, Orlando Brown, 
none of us, we talked about this, both Patrick and I, and I'm sure Sterling and Matt did as well. We talked about the fact that there's no way the Ravens would be dumb enough to trade Orlando Brown to Kansas City. There is no way that would happen. <laughs> That's right. And Brett Beach was just like, here's a first rounder. We don't care. If you're willing to give him to us, you can have a first round pick. It doesn't matter. He's 24 years old. He's left tackle. Now Jones is older, but my God, he's a phenomenal player. And just to wrap this up, for anyone who's not aware, and I know, listen, there are a lot of Chief fans who just follow the Chiefs and a little of the AC West, and that's fine. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler. He's a two-time All-Pro. He is an All-Decade player. And for those who say he's injury-prone, okay, here are the amount of games he's played in his career. 13-16-5, He's 31 years old. He's been a Pro Bowler until last year when he got hurt each of the last six seasons. And by the way, in nine games, he had 771 yards. Okay? Right. In the, in the six years, that's a prior, season for Demarcus Robinson. Maybe it's a, it's it's almost two damn seasons. Look, <laughs> the six years prior to that, here's his numbers: fifteen ninety three, eighteen seventy one, fourteen oh nine, fourteen forty four, sixteen seventy seven, thirteen ninety four. His worst season before twenty twenty over the last six years was thirteen ninety four, thirteen ninety four. Like, it, for context of how crazy that is, that's better than every year Tyreek Hill's had except for 2018. That's how great that is. Like, that is bonkers. 1394 is an unbelievable number, okay? It's better than every year Travis Kelsey's ever had except for last season. So, if the, if the finances don't work, fine. But don't tell me about, well, what about, you know, geez, can't get first round pick. What are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I, I'd run it to them if that was the only thing holding the Chiefs back. And I just like, you guys, he would be the third option, maybe? On the, like, no, like, I, think, I think Tyreek Hill would be your third option. Think about that. It's just, yeah, you're right. You're right. Like, Tyreek Hill he, would be the third option. You, you basically have Mahomes. He, he would just be able to sit back and be looking at like, what do you do? What do you do if you're a defense? If they he come did. out and they've got Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones, and then they put like McCole Hardman out there as well, right? Who's a burner? What do you do? You would be in the position as a defense. First of all, they everybody would just play zone against them because there's, there's no other way to stop that. Okay. But if you're one of these coaches, and God knows there's a handful of them, frankly, and he's a good one. He's a good coach. But like Wink Martindale in Baltimore, they play man. They do not play zone. They play man. Can you imagine Baltimore? <laughs> and I get, hey, we're going to play man against that team. Good luck. right? Like, yeah. I, to me, again, I don't think it's likely they trade for him. Okay, I'm not throwing cold water on it, but my understanding is the finances make it hard for the Chiefs. But man, I got to tell you, if you're the Chiefs and you've Figure out a way that financially you think it could work. Yeah. I mean, I'd be like, hey, look, here's our first. And what do you want a fourth? Here's that too. That's like, I don't care because the cheese picks are all at the end of the round. You know, look, right. it, and that's the other thing that matters here. If you're the, if you're Denver, okay, and you get Julio Jones, you still don't have a quarterback. Like you're, you're probably giving up a, a first round pick in the top half of the round. That's a hell of a lot different than giving up 32. And, and make no mistake, if they get Julio Jones, it's 32. 
There's not anyone yeah. in the world stopping that team. I would argue if they got Julio Jones, it's the most talented offense of all time. <laughs> Find yeah. me another one. Yeah. Who's more talented? They would have three first ballot Hall of Famers on the on the team in Mahomes, Jones, and Kelsey, and Tyree Kill ain't far behind. Right. That would right. be I mean, at that point, just sign Mitchell Schwartz back and just be done with it. <laughs> yeah. I, so that I, that's where you are. I I'm you've got me ready to run through a wall. I was I was on board the Julio Jones train last week. Now I think I'm the conductor. Um it just I would just I just want to see it. Like I want to see I want to see that offense take the field. All right, let's take our last break. On the other side, we're going to wrap things up with uh, some inspirational words from our guy Travis Kelsey. All right, we are back. Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Okay, we beat Julio Jones topic to death. We talked salary cap. We talked Breland. As we start to look ahead to- towards the regular season here. OTAs have started. Training camps did a blink. It'll be here. Um, our guy Travis Kelsey gave an interview with CBS Sports this week, and he was asked about a, a, a few things, but in particular the Super Bowl. And I want to read this whole quote because I just think it's really interesting, and then we can we can talk about it. Because it's how do these guys think? You want a Super Bowl. You're Travis Kelsey. You're going to the Hall of Fame. You're getting into the latter half of your career. Or you, you know, you want to play some golf. If we win, we win great, right? Where's the motivation? Does it stay? And here's what Travis Kelsey said when he was asked about what happened. He said, just didn't capitalize on opportunities that we needed to capitalize on. Uh, he said, um, it is what it is. I had a few drops. I had a few run assignments that I missed. That's all you can do. Just watch the film and evaluate yourself and come into work ready to fix it with the guys next to you. I think we got great leaders in this building. I think we got great coaches, great players, and, and, and this really matters to them. We're going to put in the work. We just have to go out there and fix things that need to be fixed and be ourselves. Man, I tell you, it definitely turned it up for me. I, wanted, I want this next one more than I wanted the first one. And just to prove to myself and to prove to our team that we are who we believe we are. I don't think that that game really showed our best. I don't think we went out there and played our best, and that leaves a sour taste in your mouth, and you, and you did that on the biggest stage possible. So it puts some fire in your heart for the passion that you have for this game, and it just builds, man. Hopefully we get another opportunity to go get another one. There's a couple things I think that are really interesting about that quote. The first part of the quote is I think all Andy Reid. He's, ta- he's not like... He's not. He's very calm about the way that they played in that game, and not that he's not pissed off about it, but that he's like, he's not puffing out his chest and complaining about the refs. He's like, yeah, we didn't execute because that's what it's about in the NFL. Is a mental game. It's about execution, and I just hear Andy Reid all over the first paragraph uh, that I read there. What, what what's your take, Ferdinand? I think, I think he's making a very good point about the fact that that is a team that does have a lot of really good leadership. And yes, I think it's Andy Reid, but I also think it's it's him. He won't say this, but it's himself. And it's Patrick Mahomes. And it's Tyron Matthew. And it's Chris Jones. And it's it's all these guys who have, have been there for a long time. I mean, Matthew's only been there a couple of years, but it feels like he's been there for 10 at this point. Like, it, it's... Look, they've been there and... 
I do think, you know, B enemies, another guy, you know, Spagnolo, like their assistant coaches are like head coaches on that team. I mean, they have a lot of, they have a lot of experience on that staff. They have a lot of experience in that room. Like I, I do believe, and I'll give an example real quick. I think it showed last year when they played Cleveland in the playoffs, Mahomes gets hurt. They're up 22-17, okay, late in the fourth quarter. Henny throws that pick in the end zone, the brutal pick. That's a spot where a lot of teams, the defense had just given up two touchdowns. Like You just kind of unravel there, right? Everything's going wrong. You don't have a full crowd like you normally would to kind of pick you up. And the defense went out and shut the door. They got a big stop. They got the ball back. The offense makes a couple plays. They run the clock out. A younger team in that spot, a less experienced team, I think they probably lose. The Chiefs had the fortitude to find a way to make it happen. I think that's kind of what Kelsey spoke to. Is like they, they do have a lot of leaders in that team. And, yes, I agree with you. It, is, it starts with Andy Reid. But Andy Reid, because of the way he coaches, empowers these guys to also lead. And not just his assistant coaches, but his players. And I think that is a huge part of why they're so successful. Look at last year when McCall Hardman fumbled that punt in the AAC title game. Okay, there's that famous clip of Kelsey going right over to him and Mahomes going right over to him. It wasn't a coach. It was them. It was it was Kelsey and Mahomes saying, hey, look, we need you, man. Stay in the game. Stay in the game. And what did Hardman do? He scored a touchdown on his next possession. That's, and, and by the way, that's not an accident. When they were at the two-yard line and they threw the ball to him. Like, that kind of stuff matters. And they have it in spades. It's what Brady gave New England. You know, say what you want about Edelman. Edelman gave them that. Right? Like, you... It's a leadership. And we all know when your parents get on you, it's one thing. But when someone of your own generation, your own ilk, when they when they either get on you or give you encouragement, it hits you differently. I think it's a team-wide thing with them. I agree. And I think it's just it's great to hear him the way that he talks about it is is very is very professional. It's it's I made mistakes. I know what I did. I looked at the film. I, you know, I, I know all of us want the Chiefs to be like foaming at the mouth, right? Coming into the season, just wanting to to do a revenge tour, to hang fifty on everybody because they're so pissed off about and embarrassed about what happened in the Super Bowl. And look, I promise you, and, and Kelsey says as much in the second half of that quote, they are embarrassed. They got embarrassed on the big stage. They think that they're the big dog on the block, and they got their asses handed to them. And I think the difference between some teams and a team like the Chiefs is the way that you talk about it is he's like, all right, we made mistakes. We lost. It was not good. We're going to come. You know how like whenever you see one of those videos of people that get in a fight with a guy they shouldn't have gotten a fight with and the dude's always like, he's, there's always one guy who's like throwing his arms around and cursing and lunging and you know talking big. And the, the, the dude who knows how to fight, the guy who's trained, is always super calm, just standing there. And then all of a sudden, in a flash, the the, the, the big loudmouth guy gets his, his, his head knocked off and he's, he's done. One hit, two hits, it's over. And that's kind of the feeling that I get from these quotes from, from Kelsey is that he's like, okay, all right. Like, we made mistakes. We know what we need to do. It's very workmanlike. It's very military almost in the way that he's talking about it. Uh, and I think that makes me excited because when you're emotional, that can help. Emotion can help. You stress can help all that stuff. But I think that 
it also if you're if you're too emotional, you end up with like remember some of those some of those Bengals teams that made the playoffs, and then they'd play the Steelers, and the Steelers would get under their skin, and they'd all just lose their minds and get into fights and get ejected and all this stuff. That's not the kind of those those aren't the teams that you want. Those aren't the teams that win championships because they can't execute because they're too emotional because they're trying too hard. And I think uh, I think the Chiefs now have been around the block a couple times. They've been to the Super Bowl in back-to-back years. They've been to three straight AFC title games. Almost everybody on the roster has experienced this. And I, I, I think you could see something really sort of special this year where they just come out and, and they just, I don't want to say steamroll people, but very workmanlike. You know, last year there was all this like, they, they, are they bored, that kind of stuff. I, I have a feeling we may not see that this year. I, I think we might see a more consistent performance from them. I agree. Um, I've kind of thought that throughout the offseason, and I haven't given it a ton of thought, to be honest, because we're just seeing the team get built, and we're you know we're still a few months away here. But I've kind of felt that way that the Chiefs, like in 2018, they had a lot to prove, and they went to the AFC title game, and they lost, and they came back and they won the Super Bowl, and they, you know, we didn't. I don't remember at any point in time that year talking about them being bored. I mean, they started out six and four, but a lot of that was injury related. They were missing a bunch of guys. They got healthy. They didn't lose a game. Last year, as great as they were, we did. I feel like on a weekly basis, talk about you know, they couldn't cover the spread because they would they would get up twenty points and they'd give up seventeen points. Whatever, you know. And that to the, be fair to them in the playoffs, up until the end of the AFC playoffs, they completely handled business. I mean, they were killing Cleveland before Mahomes got hurt, and Buffalo, I think, just gave up another touchdown. Um, so fair is fair there. Um, but I agree. Like I, I know there are some that disagree with this. I think this is the best team the Chiefs have ever had. I really do. Like top to bottom, maturity, maturity age wise, like they're all in the sweet spot. They're all either at the beginning of their prime, maybe toward the end of their prime, but like they're in it. I think the offensive line is going to be a game changer more than people even believe that, it, you know, and I know a lot of chief fans would, would certainly say, well, I believe it of course, because everybody who watched the chiefs last year realized how different it was, how different it was. But nationally, you know, the, the moves that get the big pub are the, are the receivers and the corners and the quarterback, the chiefs fixing that offensive line is going to make a massive, massive difference. And this is not a team that struggled to score last year. Okay, they were sixth in the league in scoring, and a lot of times they were throttling it down. It felt like in the second half. I think they will score thirty-five points a game. Like I think that's—I really do. I, I think this is going to be an offense. It is, it is just here it comes. Good luck. And I and defensively, Jerron Reed is a big addition. He gets overshadowed because of everything they've done on the offensive side. They have Jerron Reed. They have Chris Jones. You know, they've got Frank Clark there. Who Say what you want. Like he, I, I get it. He's not lived up to the contract, but he's a good player. Like, they have these guys. They bring in a lot of youth and speed at linebacker. We'll see how that plays out. I, I love their secondary. Their safeties are excellent. Okay, Snead is a legit number one corner. Ward is, is fine as a two. I like Fenton a lot in the slot. I still think there's a good chance to bring back Breland. They have Baker. They have Hughes. We'll see what they get out of them. Okay, this is a team that, to me, is maybe not even on paper at the skill positions better than the last couple of years. Because on uh, at the skill positions, they're probably not better. But because that offensive line is so much better, I think it makes them a better team on the whole. 
And defensively, I have no reason to think they're any worse. So I, I really think this is a team that is going to be very hard to beat. And I also will say this in closing. I think the gap between them and the rest of the AFC has grown compared to what it was a year ago, in my opinion. The Bills are not any better. The Ravens are worse. The Titans are about the same. I mean, they, they kind of swapped out better defense for less offense. But, I mean, the Titans to me are not better. The Colts... I don't know. I mean, maybe Wentz gets back to his old form. Maybe he's the same guy, and he's even worse. Like than than Rivers was, right? Like I, and I, and even if he gets back to being the same guy, they're not very Kansas City. Pittsburgh's worse. I like Cleveland a lot. I actually think Cleveland and Buffalo are the two teams that are there, right? But again, like, can Baker beat the Chiefs in a huge game at Arrowhead in January? I don't know. So, I think the gap's grown. I really do. Like I, look, the Chiefs are in a great, great spot moving forward, and I agree. I do not think they are going to have a problem with, with just being, you know, ah, well, we'll just wait for January. I think they've got a point to prove, and I think Kelsey underscored it. Man, I can't wait for the season. I just want to oh. fast forward through the summer. Lay it on me. September, let's go. Um, all right, everybody, we're going to get out of here. Great being back with you, Verderam, talking a little bit more Chiefs. I'm sure we'll have some storylines to talk about. This sounds like this Julio Jones thing could potentially get wrapped up here, and, and, and a lot of action could be happening. There's always that post-June 1st cut thing with all these teams, so it's going to be interesting to see who might be hitting the market here in the next few days. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday. You can check out Sterling and Matt Connors' version of this podcast. We'll be hitting around Monday. Uh, but until then... Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us reviews. You guys are slacking a little bit. We haven't had any questions this week. So uh, I know it's the off season. I know some of you guys are like, I don't know, I'm trying to sit by the pool. We need you. We need those questions. So we really like to do a mailbag episode. So leave us some questions over there. And uh, thank you as always for listening. We will see you next week. Go Chiefs. who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe for the safety minded who watch everyone's backs Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save